The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I'm Jay Binkley, along with Pete Sweeney, Chris Nocero, producing the operation. Good evening, Pete. Good evening, Jay. Just about done with this, what, Ravens and Steelers games. The Ravens came a lot closer, I think, than we thought they might. Yeah, McSorley comes in for RG3, throws that touchdown, but not able to stop the Steelers at the end. Kind of a sloppy game, four turnovers combined between the two teams in the first quarter, two each. But the Steelers move on, and they're still undefeated. RG3 for, I would say, the past few years is certainly a guy that I always thought, okay, maybe if he got one more chance, he could do something. And this today has made me know for a fact that he cannot. He is 100% a backup and and done, and that's the extent of it. But it's better than what the Broncos had to deal with, and that's the Chiefs' opponent this week. The Steelers, as I mentioned, uh, undefeated football team. They'll play Washington football team at home, the Buffalo Bills on Sunday Night Football, at Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and then at Cleveland. So some else possible with the Chiefs. We looked at the Ravens schedule and they could easily get the ten wins. I think we need, I think we need to really start getting comfortable as a city with the fact that the Chiefs are probably going to be playing fifteen and one because you look at the Steelers schedule, they need to lose to an AFC team too. I mean it it can't just be the NFC team because the Chiefs losses in the AFC and the AFC West, so uh, this may be a scenario where the Chiefs are having to play on Wild Card Weekend uh, with the best record we've seen in a very long time. No, what's going to happen is, like last year, we're going to pack the bars rooting for the Bills on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> the Bills let us down like they did last year, and then it took Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic with the Dolphins uh, to help us out. But that's probably what we're going to be doing because that's a head-to-head contest between the Chiefs and the Steelers, and that would be important. Here's Andy Reid from the day on the injuries before we look back at the Buccaneers game. Rashard Breeland just uh, had the stomach virus, and so... Yeah, um, we we sent him home there, and then uh, Dorian uh, has an ankle sprain. He didn't practice today. Everybody else practiced. Did a nice job. Look. So you go, Pete. Uh, pretty clean uh, bill of health for the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't forget last week, full participation. Everybody Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So the illness, not too worried about. It's not a COVID issue with Breland. Should be back. It's fine. Dorian O'Daniel. That's kind of a wait and see. But again it's not a position that will impact the Chiefs, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he is just a special teams guy at this point, not really making an impact on the defense. I would expect Bashad Breland to be back. I found interesting in the injury report today for the Chiefs, a lot of folks have been wondering if maybe Martinez Rankin could get in the mix. We have cited the protection issues both at ArrowheadPride.com, on our podcasts, on 610 Sports Radio. Could Rankin get in the mix? 
The Chiefs activated him on November 10th, and he appeared on the injury report today. It was a limited practice, so he did practice, but he popped up on the injury report with a knee issue, which we don't know enough about to make assumptions, but that's what happened last year with the patella injury. And so you just wonder what, what's going on with Rankin. You would like to see him practice fully by the end of the week, just in case the Chiefs want to put him in the lineup. Tino Passanio was a limited uh, participant as well with the hip injury. We'll start with the Buccaneers game, Pete. This is, uh, this is insane for both Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. According to next-gen stats, Patrick Mahomes now 400 yards passing, three touchdowns, zero picks. He's done that four times now in 42 games. It took 192 times for Aaron Rodgers. took 228 times for Big Ben. Peyton Manning did 5 and 266. Brady, 5 and 297. Drew Brees, 9 in 284. Uh, I would have to think that every single one of those would fall off. Mahomes was absolutely incredible. He's been tearing it up in the month of November. There's been no better player, and he solidified that MVP, in my opinion. And the connection with Tyreek Hill was absolutely brilliant. 200 yards receiving in the first quarter. No other player has 200 yards in a game this season. The most yardage receiving are fifth on the all-time list as far as that goes. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes has been locked in, and I think now more than ever, what's wild is you're still seeing him progress as a quarterback. He is still finding ways to be better. You could tell that the pre- and post-snap reads are certainly better. He is finding receivers and the receiver to hit on RPOs. He knows when to pass it and knows when to run the football. He also knows when to take it himself or when to fake a scramble and hit Tyree Kill to clinch the game. We are seeing another version of Patrick Mahomes, and it's a better version. And you have to remember, we are still two to three years short of this young man's prime. It's unbelievable to think about some of the records that have fallen off, and it's all happening right here in Kansas City. And we'll talk to Ken Swanson coming up here at 615 about the Chiefs offense. When I said he's fifth all-time, fifth all-time with 260 yards and three touchdowns, but one of five to have over 200 yards in the first quarter, trails only Lee Evans does Tyreek Hill. He was simply amazing in this game. And here's the thing about the final drive. It wasn't like the Raiders game where Patrick Mahomes had to come down and lead the Chiefs to victory. I was impressed with this final drive as well, knowing that Tom Brady's on the other sideline. And Tom Brady was bringing it. He was throwing the deep ball. So he was 0 for his last 22 before that game. But he, he made it a point to step his game up with Patrick Mahomes. But on the final drive, we saw Patrick Mahomes scramble for two first downs with his legs, right. including sliding and staying in bounds. Then, of course, the big eight-yard pass to Tyree Kill on third and seven. And again, Tyree Kill slides in bounds. But that drive to me, I know it wasn't a scoring drive like the Raiders, but that guaranteed that Tom Brady, now keep in mind, he's 0-2 in game-winning drives this year is Tom Brady. The Chicago, he followed, forgot yeah. what down it was, and he threw a pick in the Rams game. But that drive, we've seen back-to-back important drives at the very end of the game. I think the difference is in his first year as a starter in 2018, he was still figuring things out. I think he admitted that on the Barbershop show, uh, LeBron James' shop uh, show on HBO. He said he was still figuring things out for half the year. And then I think now, whereas in that season, that backyard football mentality, he could play in that form of with muscle memory. I think now the muscle memory is sort of being upgraded to fundamental football where you are seeing at the end he has the presence of mind to make sure he stays in bounds and continues to let the clock run. He knows when to take it himself. He knows when to maybe fake like he has a lane, bait the second level of the defense and find someone that's open. 
And I, I continue to think that he'll grow and grow because Andy Reid is never satisfied. You ask Andy Reid, and you're complimenting a player in a question, and you say, Coach, we're, we're really seeing some progress out of McCall Hardman. What's the first thing he says? It's, it's not ever, yeah, you're right. I mean, this guy's great. It's, yeah, he had a good game. Yeah. What is he going to do next week? It's all a, about a week-to-week thing. And I, I think that extends to Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes embraces that, which is just another reason of a scroll length of reasons why these two are matched made in heaven. We saw a Ferrari right play against the Panthers. That's where Patrick Mahomes goes in motion, throws a touchdown pass. We saw the slot machine against the Raiders where Travis Kelsey got the snap after Patrick Mahomes goes in motion. He underhands it to Pringle, no luck. And then we saw Black Pearl that a lot of people talked to Andy Reid about today. That was the Patrick Mahomes in motion, takes the snap, flips the Tyree kill. He flips it to Kelsey. It didn't result in a touchdown. You ask today about the trick plays. Hey, Patrick, my, I have a follow-up similar to that. Come up with the Ferrari right concept early on in the year. What's your process right? Like, how often is this something that you're doing? Where do you do it? If you can just elaborate on on your process of drawing up plays. Yeah, I think it, it it comes from just that that quarterback room in general. We do a great job, and when we're we're watching film, we try to find different ways we can take advantage of certain things that defenses do. Um, and then we kind of try to, we hone it in kind of and make it to where it's a play that we can get coach Reed to at least think about. And then, and then once it gets into his room, when you have the and coach Kafka, they, they really make it, uh, and detail it up so that we can explain it to the offense and, and make plays that go out there and have success. He truly takes football to the backyard, Turkey bowl on Thanksgiving with the family level. He's coming up with plays right. and Travis Kelsey's probably helping him out and Tyree kill like, Hey, why don't you go in motion? But any Reed is sold on him. I mean, to ask a coach to put it, I mean, an accomplished coach like Andy Reid, we think he's the best player caller in the NFL. Then you got the enemy and Kafka. And here's these guys coming up with something that's actually pretty brilliant in bringing it to Andy Reid, but he's, it's showing that he's listening to his players. Yeah, and I, I think everyone's looking at these plays where Travis Kelsey's throwing the football, and immediately I, I assume this for Tampa too, like the Tampa fans are saying, this is gimmicky, right? But if you really hear them talk about it today, they're taking it very seriously. Like, yes, it is cool that Patrick Mahomes is getting to design plays now, but he's doing it for the best play caller in the world. Andy Reid is not going to put it in the playbook unless he sees that it works, he sees that it makes sense, they run it, and it works to practice, and then all of a sudden, okay, let's run this in the game. And guess what? Yeah, it might be a little fun, it might be a little gimmicky, but Travis Kelsey, if he floats that ball a little more, that's a touchdown. And a touchdown is a touchdown. If you find a way to get in the end zone, as fun as it is with Kelsey throwing the football, that's still a play that works, <laughs> just like we saw with the Rose Bowl parade right in, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's fun, but guess what? It got them a key first down that led to a touchdown. The goal is to score points. He could have. It was designed for him to either run it, or pass it, probably should have thrown it to Mahomes early, and then secondly, maybe he lofted a little bit more. Here's Andy Reid on those trick plays. He talks about the morale. He kind of helps the team's morale by doing these type of plays. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, we, we thought we had a, you know, we thought we had an opportunity. Uh, it keeps the guys alive. I think that's a, it keeps everybody involved. And <clears throat> and so they get into, they get into those and, um, <clears throat> you know, Kelsey's taking a beating over it. Uh, you know, is maneuvering with the football, but <clears throat> you know, that's, uh, that's part of it. We have a wrinkle here or there that we, you know, we have fun with. So <clears throat> and hopefully it works. We're trying to score. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. And then I just go off of when I feel that it's right to do, then we'll, we'll do it. And he's doing these things in pressure type games. It's not like the chiefs are up 21 points or 28 points when he's doing these type of situations, but you heard him there. 
The guys have fun doing this. Right. So let's take in what the guys do. This isn't what Vic Fangio is slamming his quarterback for not wearing their mask and, you know, derailing <laughs> that situation. This is, hey, I'm listening to my player. This is why guys want to play for Andy Reid. I think what's a real cool part about it is I remember, I think it was the Dontari Poe pass, right? That came at a point where Denver was just getting smacked. And you're right, it wasn't a pivotal point. But this is early on in the game, games that they need to win for. The Panthers was a close game. All the reasons we outlined the fact that the Chiefs really, if they want that bye week, they can't afford to lose. Like they can't yeah. afford to play around with it. So they're running the plays, and yes, they're fun. But Hungry pig right. They, they need to work. And uh, yeah, bloated Tebow. <laughs> Here's your other question to um, to one Andy Reid. You were talking about the pass protection, right? Which I think is something to talk about because Mitch Schwartz, we don't know when he's coming back. And you wrote an article on um, ArrowheadPride.com about it. And but here was uh, Andy Reid addressing your question on pass protection. Hey, coach. Uh, understanding that a lot has to do with what the defense is doing. You guys have been playing some pretty good defenses. Uh, when it comes to the pass protection, do you anticipate any changes potentially to help protect Pat a little bit more, or do you like uh, what you've seen from your guys recently? Yeah, well, I mean, that was a good defensive front. They got us a couple times. I mean, that happens. You know, we want them to not be hit at all. You know, I'm not sure that's a reality necessarily in this league. You're going to get touched somewhere. So, um, but we can always do better. Our, our guys are, they feel a great responsibility to do that. <clears throat> it's also important that I, I vary things up a little bit too and give the guys better opportunity to, to protect. So part of that's my responsibility and, and part of it's theirs. And that's why we're a team, right? So everybody's got their, their job to do and we can all do a little better. So what you're looking for there or the fact that, I'll be honest with you, when Patrick Mahomes gets out of the pocket, he is the best quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah, and... I understand that there's a lot that goes into it. You heard me say that in mm -hmm. the question. The, the Bucks are one of the better defenses in the NFL, but when they hit Patrick Mahomes seven times and Patrick Mahomes is your season, it doesn't matter who else is on the team, you're not winning the Super Bowl without Patrick Mahomes. I mean, any and more are great, but that's just reality. I think, you know, he needs to be a little bit better protected. And I, I see the offensive line, and there are changes that could potentially be made. I think... That left tackle Eric Fisher's locked in. I actually think that right tackle Mike Remmers is locked in. And I actually think Nick Gallagretti has done a nice enough job at left guard to be locked in. But center, you have Austin Ryder and Dan Kilgore. You have Stefan Wisniewski waiting in the wings. We mentioned what Martinez Rankin could add to potentially the team if he were to fill in for Andrew Wiley. I think there's moves that they can make along the offensive line. And, and besides those locked-in guys, let's see the right side interior gets maybe shuffled along here as we go. Before we take a break and talk to Kent Swanson, this is what A.D. Reid said when he was asked about Mitchell Schwartz, who's not on the IR. You expect to get him back. Yeah, we'll, we'll just see. I mean, listen, he's a smart, he's a smart kid, and uh, so he knows he's been around a long time, and he – Knows how he's feeling, and he's he's a good communicator. So he keeps that open with the guy, with uh, the trainers and docs. So I think that that's the most important thing right now. And then when he's right, then we'll get him back out there. Um, but until then, um, you know, we, we don't do. I mean, we do that with every player. We, we're not going to rush him back if uh, he can't go. And that's why we expect the next guy to step in and play. And Rimmers is doing a nice job for us. Uh, you know, he's really stepped up and and played well, but. You know, that, that's kind of how we go. But we have a lot of trust in Mitch and, his, you know, we know he's a tough guy and he, he's a good communicator on top of that. So so we'll see what happens. Obviously, COVID makes the rules. We right. Sometimes you got Sierra Durant is another option for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Rankin is an interesting pick because he was a high draft pick. 
and in a tackle, but he actually found more success as a guard. But he can actually play both. Right, and that's the type of versatility that the Chiefs like. And so we'll see if Rankin finds his way into the mix. And that's why I brought that up with the injury report. I mean, that's not a good sign to see where he pops up with a knee. Let's hope he has full practices the rest of the week. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley sitting in with Pete Sweeney. He's the editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. Chiefs offense, I'll tell you this much, Pete. First five games, passing yards for game, 294.8. The last six games, 337.2 for the Chiefs. 13-to-1 touchdown interception ratio and 17-to-1 in the last six. It's amazing what this team is doing. Points per game, the first five, 29.8 points a game. Last six, 33.2. Total yards per game, 407, all the way to 441 the last six. They're, since that Raiders game, they're taking things to another level. Yeah, you're starting to the get first the, one. You're starting to get the feeling that I think you got last year when it was like, can we start the playoffs already? I'm I'm ready to get the playoffs underway, especially in this COVID year where it's so uncertain. It's ever let's just get through the season. Yeah, all right. We'll just start the just start the playoffs tomorrow. We'll be good to go. You know, start the playoffs and we'll be good to go. That's uh that's certainly uh, the case with these Chiefs, but they just keep getting better. And that's the one thing about this offense that we have to see is the continuation of getting better and taking things to the next level. Not to mention, Pete, the Chiefs have now won 10 games in six straight years, seven out of eight under Andy Reid. The only time they didn't was 2014, but they still finished with a winning record of nine and seven. Uh, Think about this, though. Andy Reid, 10 wins, always a winning record with the Chiefs, and this is coming off a 2-14 and season in in 2000, or excuse me, 2012, when he took over in 2013. Two AFC title games, a Super Bowl. D. Ford may have cost him going to another Super Bowl. And I said on the show last night, and this is this is tough because I'm not one of these instant reaction guys. I called Andy Reid the best coach we've ever seen in Kansas City. Wow. And I had someone call in about Hank Stram. Looking at the records of Hank, Hank had some, you know, 500 ish seasons you're, with you're, the Chiefs. You're offending a couple old times. No, but, but here's the thing, though. I, I'm kind of halfway in between. My age group, I'm kind of halfway in between. Right. But. That team had 10 Hall of Famers with the owner. 10 Hall of Famers. I mean, that team was loaded with Hall of Famers. And this team, I guess Andy Reid, I'll put him in there. I'll put Travis Kelsey in there. Um, Kelsey's certainly going there. But they did not have the 69 Chiefs like they had going to Canton with that group. But I'm giving it to Andy Reid. And we saw some impressive things with Ned Yost. You know, he won with less but the NFL, everybody's on the same playing field. Everybody gets the same cash. It does. It takes a team. It takes Brett Veach. It takes the whole combination to do things. But the mere fact of his consistency to have this team primed and ready to go every year and get Patrick Mahomes to, to uh, the tutelage that he deserved and the, the growth that he's shown, that's why I put Andy Reid as the finest coach we've ever seen in this town. How many Hall of Famers do you think are on the Chiefs right now? <laughs> Kelsey Locke. I think Reed Locke. I think Patrick. And Patrick will get his second MVP Kelsey this year. Kelsey and Reed are, are certain. So here's your three. And I mean, I don't know. Is there a veterans committee guy down the road? Like maybe look at Tyron Matthew and think, all right, this guy kind of changed the, the, the direction, changed the way defenses play games. Because he was, he was in the slot morning with safety last year. He had 91 snaps last season, did the Honey Badger down on the defensive line. And he leads in quarterback pressures since he came in the league in 2013. 
I could see Tyron Matthew, but I, I but think it's going to be down the line. I think I think you got to get a few more of these All Pro years. I mean, he was playing really, really strong football last year, and you didn't really see that at least at the beginning of this year. Man, I thought last game was good. If he can have an, a nice stretch here, I don't think first team All Pro is going to happen for him this year. But you never know about second team All Pro. Nineteen sixty nine Chiefs, Pete. Lynn Dawson, Willie Lanier, Bobby Bell, Buck Buchanan, Curly Culp, Emmett Thomas, Johnny Robinson, Jan Stenerud, and Hank Stram. And then the owner, Lamar Hunt, in there as well. That's 10 members that were associated with that. If you think back to that team, like, man, they, they should have maybe won a couple more. They went to Super Bowl one, won Super Bowl four. But again, Andy Reid's been to two Super Bowls. But again, if we just look at his body of work with the Chiefs, he's not done. Right. He's not done going to the title game. I also think, and I know this is a reach, and he's going to have to have consistency and stay healthy and, and continue on and all that and everything. But Tyreek Hill, I think, profiles to me as, chance. as a Hall of Famer. And he started out really as a Hall of Fame returner and is now building his way into the top five. It's how long can you stay there? You yeah. need to stay there about six to eight-ish years and Tyreek Hill's still young. I mean, he's going to be with Mahomes, I would think, as long as Brett Veach and, and Clark Hunt are willing to keep them here and happy. I mean, these are, this is going to be a one-two tandem for a very long time. And usually, if the quarterback goes, your number one, number two options go as well, which is why we think Travis Kelsey's going. And I could see Hill, again, it, it, we need to see more production over the years, but I could see Hill working his way into that. It's also defining the positions that these guys play in. Like Travis Kelsey has defined even more so what Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez did the tight end position right. and going back to Kellen Winslow. I mean, he's just, he'll in this next game, he'll get 1,000 yards again for the fifth consecutive year. It's never been done more than three. He and Greg Holson had tied at three, then Travis Kelsey got four, then five, and he's third in the AFC in receiving yards, in the NFL in receiving yards. He was first in the AFC last year in receiving yards, rechanging the position. Tyree Kill is kind of rechanging the position with his speed. He is so fast. That's what everybody talks. Vic Fangio today called him the fastest player he's ever seen. He is. He's the fastest NFL player that I've covered since I started in 14. And by far, I mean, not, not that that is a long time, but in, in those years, he certainly is faster than any other player I've covered. And also, I think he's the fastest human I've ever seen in person when he works out. Like you go to training camp and you watch Tyreek Hill play. Like Hardman's a fast NFL player. Hill almost breaks your mind. Like when you watch when he's at full I'll never forget speed. that first training camp at St. Joe. Everybody there's fast. Right. He was just faster. Like you're watching everybody that's fast. And here's a guy that's just faster than fast. Well, I think that's why you see that mismatch the other night with Carlton Davis, and he's having the longest night of his life because he's, it's not that, you know, Davis isn't necessarily an okay cornerback in the league, but it, it, you're against Tyree Kill. You can't put one guy on Tyree Kill. And you saw that ridiculous number of 269 yards and three touchdowns. Absolutely insane. You're listening to Narrowhead Pride Radio. But coming up next, a guy that I really want to talk to because some people are on the fence with the Chiefs defense because. You know what? They're still not giving up points per game. They're still right up there in the top 10 in the NFL. We'll talk to Craig Stout at Barley Hop on Twitter next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. The Drive talks exclusively to Patrick Mahomes every Monday at 215, 610 Sports Radio. 
Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley with Pete Sweeney, Kristen Lucero, producing the operation. Uh, news just coming down to Bud Dupree, former first-round pick from the Steelers, awesome. right outside linebacker in their 3-4. Actually has eight sacks this year, just one behind T.J. Watt. So that's a big loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Speaking of defense... We'll go to the phone lines now and talk to Craig Stout at Barley Hop on Twitter, the Chiefs Defensive Film Analyst for ArrowheadPride.com and also part of the uh, fantastic draft guide they do as well. Good evening, Craig. Hey, guys. How's it going this evening? It's going good, my friend. What, where do you come out on this defense? You know, people talking about this defense. I'll say this. They did give the offense a couple opportunities, back-to-back interceptions on drives. You know, this is a good offense with the Buccaneers when they want to be, but uh, still the Chiefs' top 10 team as far as scoring defense. Yeah, I I think that you see glimpses of what they can be. Early on in this game, the Chiefs were able to really bring the heat, bring the pressure, and they were able to keep Tom Brady off of his game. That resulted in the Chiefs building this 17-point lead early with the offense. Offense turns the ball over, and in the one-second quarter drive, the Chiefs allow a touchdown, but they kind of tighten things up until the fourth quarter there, and it ends up a little closer game. They definitely are allowing more explosive plays than Steve Spagnuolo is going to be happy with. He prides himself in keeping a lid on the top of this defense, especially when they're up big. He's allowing a lot of them as of late. It's just going to be something to kind of keep an eye on because you see the good early in the game and with those turnovers, like you said, but you also see the bad with some of those explosive plays and allowing teams to hang around when they should just be able to put their hammer down and you know finish the game early. Craig, I want to ask you about an ongoing storyline for the Kansas City Chiefs defense, and that is the usage of Juan Thornhill. All week we're talking about how they're not going to use him that much. He ended up playing quite a bit on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, he really did. The Chiefs were in their dime defense over 60% of the game, by and large because they were up by 17 points early. Chiefs likes to go into that shell. And that kind of results in the Chiefs defense playing a little softer. That's when Juan Thornhill is coming in the game right now. Before Juan Thornhill was in with the base, he was in with the nickel and with the dime. So he was a 100% player. Now he's been relegated only to that dime role. So in these game scripts where you see heavy passing attacks and the Chiefs are up big and they've got these third and longs, second and longs more often, you're just going to see more Juan Thornhill, but they don't appear to trust him right now in that nickel and in that base. I don't know if it's a tackling thing. I don't know if it's just him you know, trying to return to health. I think they've alluded to that you know, the past couple of weeks here, but it is something to pay attention to. When they're in those dime scripts, though, you are just going to see a lot of Thornhill. So, Bink, it's easy. If we want more Juan Thornhill, we just got to get up 17-0 on every other team. <laughs> well, it has been strange, though. It has been up and down, like Craig says. 81% against Carolina, down to 19% against the Raiders, up to 69% of the snaps this week. Speaking of snap counts, uh, uh, Craig, one guy that we've seen uh, kind of uh, taking on maybe a different role, and that's Legereus Sneed. He had 54% of the snaps. He was elevated from his time against the Raiders. And not only that, but he's been playing a little more nickel, playing a little more inside instead of outside. That's what he did in this role. It's a guy that played corner and safety at Louisiana Tech, certainly versatile for this defense. But what do you think about him and the nickel? 
I, I think that he's done pretty well there in the nickel. He's a definitely a secure tackler. I think we've seen that a couple times, a couple run fits that he's been, you know, pretty, pretty darn good there. And obviously comfortable enough for Spagnolo to feel like he can move Tyron Matthew back out of the box. That's kind of where, you know, last year, middle of the year, they moved Tyron Matthew up into that nickel slot role because he was effective in those roles. Now Legereus Need takes those reps. I like what I've seen so far. When they get into those super long, those third and long, second and long situations where they bring in Ben Neiman at the dime linebacker, rotate Dan Sorensen down, they're still bringing in Rashad Fitton because Steve Spagnuolo likes to get exotic with his coverages. It's just pretty clear right now Legereus Need doesn't have the whole playbook and the whole coverage map lined out yet. You know, that, that's to be expected with the offseason they had. He's going to get more and more of those snaps. I think he's going to excel in that role, and I think that gets the Chiefs' best three corners, the best three man coverage guys up near the line of scrimmage. I like what I've seen so far of him. I'm looking forward to him getting a bigger share as they get into those late dime reps. Talking to defensive film analyst at ArrowheadPride.com, Craig Stout. Craig, I, I really like the games of Tyron Matthew. It seemed like he had more energy in this one. Same thing with Anthony Hitchens and Chris Jones. Love barking with Tom Brady. If you can bark with the quarterback, I am going to love you. That's just how it goes. The second time we've seen this. <laughs> Want to ask you, Craig, about Frank Clark. This has become another topic that I think fans are interested in. What do you make of maybe, I don't want to say the disappearance, but just a lesser version of Clark than maybe we saw last year? I just think that he, he's struggling to play with some of the power that we saw at the end of last year. He looks like the guy that they had at the beginning of last year when people were wondering, hey, did the Chiefs buy a lemon? And we knew, we heard that, you know, he had a nerve issue, he had a stomach issue. There are a lot of things that were bothering him. He looks like that same guy. He's trying to win with speed a lot, and he does beat some tackles around the edge with speed, but that was more of his off-speed pitch, you know, for lack of a better term. When he was in Seattle, he won with power. He won through the tackle more often. He won inside with more inside counter moves. And he was just able to wreak havoc through offensive linemen instead of around them. We're not seeing him take on offensive linemen in the exact same way. Now, I don't know if that's because of injury. The Chiefs are obviously not reporting that there's anything wrong with him. He hasn't really been put in front of the media recently to be asked if he's feeling okay, if there's anything going on with him but it definitely looks like the player that we saw at the beginning of last year. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't turn it on. We know we've seen him in the stretch run last year really kind of ramp and crank things up. I don't know if he's just saving some energy to do, you know, to really unleash it at the end of the year here, but it is a little bit concerning that we're not seeing that same player that the Chiefs paid for, that we know that can be an effective pass rusher. He's just not having that sort of impact right now. Craig, the Denver Broncos, this week's opponent, when you look at the, what the Chiefs have done in five of the last six games, they've held opponents to 104 yards rushing or fewer. The one team that had more rushing yards that previous time was the Denver Broncos. And we saw Willie Gay get one snap on defense, 19 on special teams. His snap count was the second lowest since the Houston Texans game, the first game of the season. Was this a situational thing with Willie Gay because the Buccaneers were going to go through the air more than the ground? And do you expect to see him a little bit more maybe against Denver, who, like I said, has the most rushing yards against the Chiefs uh, going back to the first time they played him? 
I do think that this week was more of an anomaly of Bruce Arians not playing heavy personnel. Willie Gay Jr. is a base linebacker, and so unless the offense is going to come out with you know, two back sets or two tight end sets when the game is close. Like I said, you know, when the game gets out of hand, Steve Spagnuolo just goes to that dying defense. But when it's close, the opposition has to come out in heavy personnel for Willie Gay to be on the field. I do expect that the Broncos are going to line up. They like to use a little bit more tight ends. They like to use a little bit more fullbacks. I know that, you know, Philip Lindsay's status this weekend is in question. That's the guy that really killed the Chiefs last time. If he can't go, I do think that you're going to see a lot more power setups, a lot less shotgun runs. You're going to see a lot more alignment with heavy personnel. That probably means a lot more Willie Gay Jr., and I'm looking forward to that. I want to see him get more snaps. I want to see him get more time on the field so that this defensive staff can feel comfortable putting him in other situations and we can start seeing the more athletic linebacker on the field more often. Can't we see Kendall Hinton start one more game for the Broncos? That would be nice, Ben, and Bank, you're not going to like this, but I, I'd, I'd say Locke is comparable to that. You know what I mean? Oh, stop it. <laughs> what? what? Hey, Craig, I have a question about Willie Gay. Do you expect by the end of the season and into the playoffs him to be maybe being used a little bit more in this defense, or you just think this is a rookie year thing where maybe he'll get put in more packages next year? I think it's going to be a rookie year thing, yeah. more packages next year. I think I just, at this point in the season, I think we've seen what the Chiefs linebacking core is. I think everybody wants to see Willie Gay Jr. And I think if they felt comfortable putting him on the field, they would have done it already. I think it's just him learning the playbook, him adapting. Remember, Mississippi State, he was suspended for several games. He wasn't a full-time player. He's a guy that didn't have a ton of live reps in college compared to some of these other guys that are coming out as well. Now you put him on in the NFL. Now you sped up the game, and then you did it in an offseason that you couldn't really get together and have live ammunition in training camp. You didn't get preseason. You didn't get all of these things that typically help those types of guys. I just think that he's a little bit behind the eight ball because he's got all of that stacked up. It's not a wasted year for sure. They're really getting the most out of him. I think this year is going to pay dividends in the future. But I think 2021 is the year that we see him come out there, start, get the bulk of the snaps, and be an impact player. And then Bruce Arians kept talking about that. He's like, this is why our offense isn't in sync because Tom Brady hasn't had the reps. I mean, he said next it, spring. It sounds like an excuse, but it wasn't. Brady. But, but another guy, too, Anthony Hitchens, we talked about him a little bit, but he's getting better. According to Pro Football Focus, 83.8 overall, his best week since 2016, week 13. He keeps getting better, 70-plus on tacking, tackling, 91.2 on his nine pass rushes. So Anthony Hitchens taking that step forward. Oh, yeah, he's definitely taking that step forward. You're seeing the best version of Anthony Hitchens that's on the field right now. He's flipping blocks. You're seeing him play with more anticipation. He's breaking to the spot as the play is developing. It's just being able to play mentally fast has helped him to play physically fast as well. Now he's organizing everybody on the front end. That's what he's always done. He's able to kind of get that done quicker. He's able to evaluate things quicker and everybody's on the same page. He doesn't have to keep going over things with people. And so that allows him to play faster because he can play mentally faster. Now he's still struggling in coverage. He's always probably going to struggle in coverage, but if this is the type of player that you're going to get from him 
Next year, when you can line up Willie Gay next to him, all of a sudden things get even easier because he doesn't have to do some of the pursuit things that Willie's going to do. I think that he has a chance to really be a good linebacker next year as well. Craig Stout, defensive film analyst for ArrowheadPride.com. Must follow on Twitter at BarleyHop because he makes beer as well. <laughs> defensive film analyst, he breaks everything down, including part of that draft guide as well. Thanks a lot, Craig. Hey, thanks, guys. There you go, Craig Stout right there, defensive film analyst. And this is the part where we're going to take a break and we come back. Your questions, your questions, if you want to ask Pete anything, 913-576-7610, the Smitty's Garage Burgers on your text Let's line. Let's do it. As Pete and I look forward to the Broncos, plus take your questions next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Jay Binkley along with Pete Sweeney. This is your time to send in some questions for, do it. for us. And, of course, Pete Sweeney as well. 913-576-7610. Let's look ahead of the Broncos game first, Pete. That's the uh, Chiefs' next opponent. And it's kind of getting lost in the shuffle. I felt like on Wednesdays we usually turn the page pretty quickly. But I think everybody's still talking about Tom Brady. Of course, when you're watching NFL Network, ESPN, they're still talking about you know, Tom Brady and what's wrong with the Bucs and, and how the Chiefs look good. And there's, you know, the cheetah on uh, yeah. on Showtime last night with Inside the NFL getting interviewed by Ray Lewis <laughs> and Brandon Marshall. Everyone got wild about that. I mean, I, I think Tyreek Hill has been doing a lot of media this week and he wants to race Adam Schefter yes. on ESPN and he's getting some Inside the NFL love. He, he deserves it. I mean, for yes, he does. a second there, he was the number one wide receiver in the NFL and DK Metcalf had to play Monday Night Football, didn't he? And he took, and he, but Patrick, or, uh, Tyreek was the first to 1,000 yards. Right. So he was the first. Reminded he, me of when Travis Kelsey broke that single season tight end record, Kittle. and then like a couple minutes later, yeah, with George Kittle. Kansas City, they've won 10 in a row against the Broncos going back to 2015. Um, the 2019 Week 7 victory over the Broncos gave the Chiefs a franchise best mark of eight consecutive wins over the Broncos in the Super Bowl era. Since 1966, but it's actually been 10 straight against the Broncos before they went on a seven-game stretch against the Chiefs. Andy Reid is actually 10 and five against the Broncos because they had the upper hand in 13, 14 in one of the games in 2015. But the Chiefs have absolutely dominated the Broncos. They haven't beat the Chiefs since Peyton Manning. No, and in 15, I. In a sense, because you never want to root for injury. I, I think the Broncos thought they might have something this year because they got all these speedy receivers in the draft. They were feeling good about the offense they were building. They felt like they had something in, in lock, which who knows? I know that's your second favorite player, Bink. Stop, Pete. Um, and then you see Von Miller, who supposedly had revamped and whatever, and, and they felt like maybe that this could be competitive again. And just, they had one of these Chargers-like years. You know what? The 49ers aren't using excuses. Everybody got injured. Injuries. I, the Chargers I, have, the Broncos have, and the 49ers have, but the 49ers keep giving an effort each and every week. The, the 49ers had a lot of pieces. They were in the Super Bowl last year. I mean, I, you, you're they were slammed. You're taking a rebuilding team, I think, with Von Miller, and, and unless you have Miller, and then they didn't have a quarterback for about seven games. Like I, it's it's tough to have a, an AFC West contending team, especially when you're playing in, in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, I actually like the Chargers' future the best because I I do feel that Justin Herbert is the second best uh, quarterback in the division. From the eight one six, what was Chris Jones and Tom Brady tripping on? 
This goes back to last year. Do you remember when they were playing up in New England? Tom Brady and Chris Jones were John. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I think Tom Brady kind of enjoys it, kind of like Phillip Rivers. They like to talk a little bit of junk. Chris Jones likes to talk a little bit to him. I have no problem with this gamesmanship. It's what happens in a game. You know, Tom Brady plays in Florida now, and apparently Brady's favorite wrestlers the rock and of course chris jones like stone cold steve austin and so they, they were barking back and forth about that apparently and then got a little um chippy and and mahomes was getting pushed and brady was getting pushed it, it does feel like there is a little a sliver of bad blood between these two teams so we'll see if if the bucks can make it back to their own home game super bowl type deal and and it should be a good matchup if they they are able to play again we do the trez paler show where i do it on monday nights and trez has talked about street justice before like the cowboys whenever they let dalton be crushed by the uh yeah the washington team they didn't retaliate so you need a little street justice and he was talking about this game being a little street justice because he says jpp hits mahomes yeah and they had and then Frank Clark did it twice. Not once, but does it twice on the next series. Was that retaliation for Patrick Mahomes? Was that street justice I, from Frank Clark? If 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 Frank Clark knew that Mahomes was getting cheap shot, then absolutely. I, I, he, he, you think he meant to do it? Say what you want about uh, say what you want about Clark and his performance, and, and you know I I think he would be honest about his performance right now and say saying it, it's not good enough. He's going to defend his teammates, and that's something love it. And one of the qualities you got to love about him, and and so yeah, I mean if if Therese, who I respect as a a, a pseudo mentor on the beat and and everything that he's done, he's very very good film guy. We love the juice list that he does every year. If he noticed that and believes it, then yeah, I mean I'm I'm, I'm easy easy sign off on that. Here's a question from the three four seven. Oh, uh, we have a New York listener. Uh, why does Pete always sign off the post game show with "Smell You Later"? Man, I gotta go sometimes. Man, I, I have so much going on. Why do you do that? We try to cut it. We don't know if you listen to I, us, but I, I said, did you cut it? Sometimes we cut it. I hit the dump button, but you can hear it online. Well, you know, you don't, you don't know this about Kramer. Kramer, Kramer likes it. I, I mean, you could, you could, you but could I sense don't. that. I listen. I understand that, but I mean, it is called the Arrowhead Pride Post Game Show, so kind of what we say goes a little bit. And so, yeah, sometimes you have to just smell you later. Okay, you say that. I'm doing the Arrowhead Pride show with you tonight, and I have been. (laughs) Arrowhead Pride post-game show, do that. I don't have any Arrowhead Pride hats. I've told told you this many times. You should. I don't have any gear, and I'm like, so I'm like, I'm like right up there with you guys, man. I'm my Arrowhead Pride Kent, dude, you know. Kent is the guy to ask for the gear because we do our own, we do our in-house gear when it's when it's time for the Senior Bowl, and we'll just get you on that list. I mean, we get it for a, a couple of us, the the ones that work locally here, and and we'll have to get you some some swag. So I was talking last night. Kramer's going to get this tattoo, the sleeve on his arm. Okay, and he was trying to talk me into getting the tattoo. We had a, a texture call in and said he has an ArrowheadPride.com tattoo. Now, I checked the phone number because we, we have your phone number, by the way, on, on when you text this. So <laughs> just be careful what you send in because I do have your text number. And I checked the phone numbers and so did Kramer to see if it was you yeah. or Maddie Lane or, or your dad or any of those guys. It's none of you. Well, that they, means there's a somebody walking around with an ArrowheadPride.com if tattoo. You, and I don't have Joel's number, so I don't know. If you are that person or know that person, I told him to tweet you a picture. Has to tweet us a picture of it. At PG Swing. We will put it on the website. You have my word. It's recorded. We're going to put this on the podcast channel. If you are that person or know that person, we'll make sure that that photo gets on the website promptly. Someone asked if I would get arrowheadpride.com tattoo, and I said, absolutely not. Why I will not? not? I will not do anything to please people. What about, what about a picture of this mug? 
Because what would happen is if I got it, hey, you, didn't you even, would like, you didn't even hear me. You what, would like resign and go a, somewhere else. What about a picture of this mug? Would you put my... No. Why? No. Why not? You have to live with the thing, Pete. <laughs> be perfect. <laughs> but Chiefs and Broncos, Drew Locke coming back to Kansas City. I listened to the press conference today, and it basically started off with, with Fangio... And uh, and I, I never felt, and I've told you this, I never felt like he's really had Drew Locke's back. Right. And it's really hard. And to I know that team. bothers you. It yeah. does. He called out all his quarterbacks in that quarterback room, and that's kind of the, the heart and soul. Drew Locke's mom takes to Twitter. Drew Locke was asked about that today, and he says, hey, man, that, that's what moms do. They defend their kids. I think we all know this. That's someone who could be listening. Mrs. Locke, let me just tell you something. Don't do that to your poor son. Leave his Twitter alone. We are we are we are in that era where the moms are on social media too. So I, I think you are going to see this more and more. From the nine one three, I'll get a Pete a pick of Pete on my butt. That that is what I'm talking I love about. That. I, and from the three four seven, this is your father. Bake, I only have a four year old AP t shirt. There, there, make it your dad's gear. There is not a ton. It's you know you have some of these companies Pita, where there's just Pita. boxes and boxes of t shirts that are in your office or something. I don't have a ton of gear to give. I wish I did. And Bink, if I had a lot of gear. I don't know if we'd have your size. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the shots. Oh, hopefully we're talking about a brand over the Broncos next week. A huge thanks to Craig Stout, defensive film analyst, arrowheadpride.com, for joining us tonight. Thank you, Pete, for you. And thanks for the questions uh, you provide. Yeah, honestly, love being here. We do it every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Thanks to Kristen O'Sero. Be good night next. Smell you later.